0: You have to make the diaper sign with your hands. You know? Right, the, the
1: diaper sign that we all know.
0: <laughs> oh god damn it. Now we're gonna have to come up with a diaper sign. That's yeah. <laughs> Th-
1: this one's on you.
2: Welcome to Love in Brief, a brief ABDL podcast focused on issues of love. Love for self, love for others, love for your community. Mm-hmm. Just casks and casks of
1: Ooh. Barrel strength cast.
2: Barrel strength cast High, proof, of high, high proof Love.
1: Love.
2: Joining us today is our friend Tessa. You may know Tessa as Duchess of Dips on Fet
1: Life. Mm-hmm. Um and Instagram.
2: And Instagram. Yes, thank you. And I'm one of your hosts, Road Not Taken. The better host, some might say.
1: <laughs> some might say that, but not this guy. I am <laughs> resident, yes. And I'm so glad that we get to introduce terms like guy right now because we're going to talk about gender a whole bunch on this episode mm-hmm. we're going to talk about sex gender gender roles gender uh assignments what is it like being a person who maybe was given an assignment that doesn't fit who you are we're going to talk about what it's like to be trans and abdl you ready? oh
0: my goodness
1: you buckled up
0: i'm i am buckled in here
1: <laughs> so right. here's let me let me give the standard disclaimer if it's all right i 2019 has been an intentional year for us. If you heard the live show from Capcom last year, one of the things that we called out for from the stage was we said, we want to represent a much wider variety of voices on this show. Because of course we've had lots of people of different backgrounds on the show, but we haven't called out that their backgrounds are different, unique and, and that the ABDL world is not uh, monolithic. And so, um, we have invited one of our friends on this episode to talk to us about what it's like to be trans and into ABDL. With that said, our friend Duchess doesn't speak for all people who are trans or all trans women. And so like I've said on all the other episodes this year, um, she's just gonna speak to her experience and your experience may be wildly different and we can't wait to hear about that too. Cool? Cool. All right.
2: All right, Tessa, I would like to ask you to start by telling us about your love.
0: Oh my, uh, I guess my love is kind of interesting. In terms of like romantic love, I don't really differentiate between like, it, it isn't separate from like the love that I feel for friendships. So it's just more, it's just if a friendship gets strong enough, then it becomes like, it can become romantic or become something like that.
1: Ooh, I like that. So, not necessarily having to say this one's romantic, this one's friendship. It's like a friendship that becomes romantic.
2: It's like a flower that's not all blossomed yet. Yeah,
0: that's nice. That's very
2: sweet.
1: That's way poetic. Oh, thanks. way to go, Auntie! Thanks, y'all. So, we're gonna talk about what it's like in your experience to be both trans and ABDL. But I think it should help if we define a couple of terms. When mm-hmm. I say trans, what does that mean to you?
0: transgender. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So to me, it means several things. Um, It means that I identify as different from the gender that I was assigned at birth, which is separate from sex, which is the the physical characteristics associated with um, male or female bodies.
1: So what do you mean there's a difference between the physical part of your body and the gender you're assigned at birth?
0: Well, there's a, some really great uh, posters you can find around that'll have that can uh, connect all these things. So there'll be a, so it'll have a picture of a person and it'll and it'll point to the crotch and it'll say this is what your sex is. And it'll have a picture and it'll have an arrow that points to your brain. It says this is what your gender is. And so it's um, gender is more about um, a living within the sort of the standards of a particular um, identity that is commonly associated with sex they are often um, conjoined or they are often go together but not always and in many other cultures uh, outside of western culture there have been multiple gender options that are between traditional male and female roles and it is even in other cultures it's pretty traditional to when someone's born to assume the gender of a child and within other cultures often what will happen is As the child grows up, and there are indicators that the gender may not match the sex, um, if they are in a culture that has a different option or multiple options, then they are they're they're able to move into that um, identity.
2: So I have actually not heard of this before, and I wondered even if uh, we can't remember what culture or what the names of the different um, options are, would you mind telling us a little bit more about what um, what exists between a man and a woman or a girl and a boy in other cultures that other cultures have available to them? Because I actually didn't even know that was something, and I'm I'm really curious.
0: Well, in some um, Native American cultures, there's what's called two-spirit, which—and um, this is not for every— that when we talk about Native Americans or we talk about uh, First Nations peoples, or we talk about indigenous cultures, it's important to recognize that they're not monolithic, that they are uh, individual cultures in their own rights, and some of them share um, this idea of two spirit, which is um, someone who was born and their sex says one thing, and as they grow, their gender says another thing, and they can um, and they move into that designation, which is not necessarily always male or female, but it has the same sort of associations as my understanding, but I am not in any way an expert on this.
2: That's really beautiful. I mean, it gives people more options. You really don't have to go all one way or all the other way. You can just sort of be where you are and there's a name for it. I like
0: that. uh, People tend to think of it as a spectrum, but that's not even necessarily accurate because there may be things that you... Feel apply from one thing or another thing um, or another aspect of, of uh, what are traditional gender roles, and they all can fit together in the same person. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's just this general problem of the West that we tend to think in these binaries. And in reality, a lot of what happens as you grow older, if you're aware of it, is that it's possible to contain multiple ideas that appear to be conflicting.
1: Now, with that said, though, I, I do want to uh, sort of... Pay due honor to where people do identify one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And um, when I ask somebody's pronouns, if they say she, her, for instance, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that's a commitment. That it's it's okay to be one or the other as well. And I I do want to distinguish here between gender fluid or gender queer. What are we saying when we say gender fluid? What are we saying when we say gender queer? And what are we saying when we say trans? And I I didn't know, um, Duchess, if you'd be willing to speak to that.
0: I can I can try and and again it's it's of course my own personal take on things. Um, when we say transgender, it really means just in any way sort of like divergent from the gender that you were assigned at birth. Um, when we say um, non-binary, that sort of means that you do not identify on either of those poles. If you think of it as a polar spectrum, if we say um, Gender fluid it means that that designation can change from moment to moment or interaction or interaction. When we say gender queer, it may mean that that um, designation is not completely firm or that it is somewhere in the middle. Or if it is firm, I'm very much um, what on what's considered a trans feminine. Um, I'm very much considered trans feminine, which means that I identify as a woman and that I'm very much pretty pretty polar on that designation. But my partner, um, my my uh, spouse, is um, non-binary. And so my partner will dress in a way that represents both, uh, all of the gender designations that they feel apply to them. Um, that makes
2: a lot of sense. I wonder if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about what it was like to navigate the ABDL world appearing as a cisgendered Male and now navigating the world as uh, an ABDL woman and an ABDL woman who happens to be trans. And I just wondered if you might tell us a little bit more about that.
0: So um, as a person who was navigating as a cisgender male, I was really desperate. I was constantly lonely. I um, was pretty... Um, terrified a lot of the time just in in terms of um, social anxieties and um, a lot of this comes down to like dysphoria and and not being able to feel that I was represented accurately as myself Um, I would look in the mirror and I would say um, uh, I'm fat and blocky headed and and all these things like that or or I, I I I thought of myself as um, meatheaded was the term that I that I thought of. And um, um, this is not necessarily related to ABDL, but is related to sort of being little. One of my, um, I was with an ex and we went to Disney World and my ex said that me sitting on a bench uh, at the airport with a Snow White sculpture on it was the happiest she'd ever seen me in my life than when we'd been together. But to me, it was one of the saddest moments of my life because I knew that after that moment, I would never get to feel that way and that pretty and that much like a princess and sitting in that space. And that pretty much exemplifies also what it was like to be an ABDL in that position because um, I wasn't going to get to be the, the sort of like have the the ABDL identity that I wanted, of being um, perceived as attractive in the way that I wanted, or I couldn't perceive myself as attractive in the way that I wanted. And so um, I had a lot of desperation in terms of looking for validation from partners, and that validation was, was something that they could not give me. So what's interesting is that as a trans woman, as an ABDL, I'm much more free to just enjoy the space and enjoy the people, and not to have to have that desperation. Because the being assured in my own identity means that um, I am not seeking that desperate validation. Um, I have the validation that I need, and I can enjoy being little or being, or and I can enjoy the one-on-one interactions with other people without feeling like there's something that I need from them that they cannot give me.
2: God, thank you for your vulnerability in that. That's yeah. That had to be really, really hard to feel like you weren't able gonna you weren't gonna be able to feel that way again. And I'm so glad to hear that you actually have been able to capture that um feeling. Um, of I, being I'm sitting beautiful here. and feminine and sweet and I know you can't see our why, but he is I have experiencing tears a lot on of emotion. The, on my
1: <laughs> Not because your story's sad, but because your story's beautiful and here's why. You found that it it wasn't dependent on other people's perspective of you that you could be that beautiful, pretty princess because you already are, and then it's in you and it doesn't require Disneyland and it doesn't require validation from somebody else. The fact that the fact that you discovered that like that actually is who you are and it's okay to celebrate that person regardless of what the world says about it, I just think that's the most beautiful thing. Like that is the thesis statement for our podcast Mm -hmm. is that you are already all of that. I think that's so beautiful. So thank you for, for bringing that here.
0: Thank you. Yeah. I just, uh, I was sort of like, um, I just felt like that I needed to sort of like make that distinction of like what it was like before. And that, that memory is so powerful. Um, in in making that distinction, and and it's it's interesting because like in talking about a lot of this stuff, it all gets tied up. Um, one of the ways in which I think that that for me personally, one of the reasons that age play I think is so resonant is that um, my uh, sort of emotional development, in a lot of ways, just sort of stopped somewhere around age between eight and eleven, and so. Um, until I began to transition. So intellectually development, like that continued and, you know, I sort of relied on that, over relied on that to the point where it was kind of obnoxiously uh, pedantic um, as a coping mechanism. But in terms of my emotional development, it just did not come together until I was able to transition. And that was a huge boon.
2: That's wonderful. And um, actually, to piggyback off of that what was it like for you what was the what was the transition of your initial ABDL identity to the ABDL identity that you have now how did that as you got more comfortable with who you are and um, really started to accept that beautiful side of yourself how did your ABDL personality change and grow
0: getting into kink and exploring those things was part of the way that i was able to gain the confidence to be able to transition so in a lot of ways my my identity in terms of kink helped allow me to have the opportunity to move into those transitional spaces that i needed so while i my initial like identity in AB deal was very silly it was very much like presenting this like goofy kind of like boy identity that was very playful and that allowed me to once i started to recognize that like my gender wasn't what i thought it was that that these things weren't together then it was like well here's this here's a space where i can definitely explore this In a way that's highly gendered so like i was able to explore feminine spaces that way i was able to explore those things in a way that um it was not possible to in the real world
1: so one of the things that you called out that's really important to me is you mentioned if i heard you right that taking part in the abdl world opened up a bit of Uh, sort of openness and flexibility to recognize that you are not one fixed person and you're not one fixed identity and that you don't have to sort of marry to this stereotype or this assumption about yourself. Part of what the ABDL community has given me, and there has been so much, is permission to flex some traditional boundaries and to say that, um, look, I recognize I'm 40 years old. I recognize that I have a whole set of cues that tell you a very specific thing about me. And also, what's really important to me is this thing that I know to be true about myself. And I'm not going to walk away from that. And that there was permission to flex on these very rigid boundaries. And I think that's actually part of the beautiful thing about engaging kink. So my eyes have been open to all sorts of flexibilities. That I had no idea existed. Did I hear that right? And if so, uh, it sounds like it may have actually benefited your your personal progress.
0: Yes, absolutely. And you know, just in general, like I can point to my experiences where you know, it it things may have evolved differently if I had done things differently. But um, my my getting involved with ABDL brought me to a larger kink context, larger kink. Con- context brought me to a larger queer community that was adjacent to that context. And that drew me into um, an understanding of um, different identities that had been largely negative stereotypes in my life. And then recognizing that I was one of those identities that had been stereotyped, or I have one of those identities that had been stereotyped, was very valuable. valuable. And how I would have made myself, how I would have made it to that place i don't know i'm sure i would have made it there eventually but the abdl and the kink community definitely gave me that space to flex in a way that was expedited the process i think
2: so i have a question for you when i was growing up i found that i never really got to be a child at all and so i found that whenever I entered into the ABDL play that I was sort of experiencing things that I'd always wanted to experience for the first time. And I wondered if, um, you experienced some, some of that, some healing through getting to experience things that you didn't get to experience the first go around, um, and really being able to, embody that person who you always were but you weren't able to be at that time if that was helpful or healing in any way
0: oh definitely um so when i was young like i in addition to having the issues with sort of um gender roles and things like that which in in and of themselves can cause a certain degree of stress and trauma i also like grew up um Having to deal with some parental alcoholism, so my my parents were alcoholics, so it was this very there was this very sort of like rigid structure at home that had to do with um there was a lot of um having to hmm, having to be aware of hyper aware of the emotional states of my parents at any time to the point where i had learned that instead of social instead of normal socialization so a lot of what has come about from things like age play has been the opportunity to get to live out a version of a childhood experience where i am not constantly having to be hypervigilant and that's very positive
2: i am glad to hear that you are now getting to experience some safety and and experiencing yourself as you truly are and as you wish you could have been back then. And that's wonderful.
1: I've actually, I've said to others, like one of the beautiful things, if you're conscious, if you're intentional, if you're reflective about your ABDL journey, that it's a masterclass in how to separate your emotions from somebody else's Mm -hmm. and how to allow somebody else's emotions to be without becoming yours. And for folks it sounds like, potentially, like the three of us who grew up in houses where maybe other people's issues became your own, it actually, if you do it right, can become a, an amazing process of separating your own needs from theirs. There's so much more to dig into. I know it's not only one person's experience, but frankly, we touched on 0.0001% of your experience because I know you Mm -hmm. to be a tremendously reflective, highly intellectual, highly feeling, empathic individual. And so we've probably touched on a, a quarter of a tenth of a percent.
2: And at the same time, you have taught us so much today.
1: So thank you. It's not your job, just as I've said to every other person we've talked to, it's not your job to teach us, but I'm grateful.
2: But I'm glad that you took time and you did it anyway.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And, and of course, again, this is, as we've stated, this is my experience. And there are many people who have very different experiences of transgen- transgender identities. Of course. And, and so, like, I, I definitely want to say, like, your experience is valid. If it doesn't mirror my experience, that does not mean that we're saying this is the only experience.
1: Also, is there any way that people should reach out to you if they would like to get in touch with you?
0: I, I would say either through FetLife or Instagram. Um, where I'm, uh, I think in both, it's like duchess of dips with an underscore between the words.
1: Yep. Yep. And we'll link it from our show notes. So easy enough. Um, and as for us, R and T, how should people get in touch with us?
2: Well, there's several ways. There really are. We're super accessible guys. Um, we are on Instagram. We are as resonant. Yes. Yep. We are on Fat Life Uh as Resident Yes and Road Not Taken, and we have a Fat Life group, and it's called Love in Brief, and you can come ask us questions, or you can answer questions, or you could volunteer to be an expert, because we're always in search of experts.
1: I can tell you, too, I have seen so many more deep discussions on Love in Brief, the podcast group on Fet Life, where like maybe we, we, we cover a topic in 22 minutes yeah. and they cover it for weeks and, and they get into the beautiful details. Yeah. yeah.
2: You can talk about it as long as you want and you can, you can share your experience and say, this is how mine differed. This is how mine was the same. This is what resonated with me. It's the perfect place to do that. I mm-hmm. hope you all do. Yep. Um, another way to get in touch with us is via email mm-hmm. at loveandbrief at gmail.com. Um, all one word. All one word.
1: Yep. Also, um, I will say, coming up in December, we're going to start asking you for your experiences. So on New Year's Eve, we want to do what we did last year, which is have a big fucking celebration of how great being ABDL is. So we spend a lot of time during the year tackling questions about why it's hard being a person with an ABDL kink, which I get. It is hard. But every December 31st, from here on out, we're going to... from here, I mean, we in did ad it ad once. Ad so ad from ad here ad on out.
2: In ad infinitum. Ad
1: infinitum. Yeah. Ad infinitum. We're going to do it where we want to celebrate what is great about being ABDL. So if you're a person with an ABDL kink and you want to celebrate, look for our requests coming up in the month of December. Because we're going to ask you to speak into why it is so great being ABDL. For all of the hardships and all of the struggles, we're going to focus on what is so beautiful. We're going to start 2020. With an absolute message of positivity, what is great about being ABDL? So look for that ask.
2: And it's super easy. Basically, all we want you to do is record a very short audio clip and send it to us. Oh, we're talking 10 seconds. Yeah. Well, some people do. Maybe they do a little more. And they have music, which I (laughs) love. You know, really patriotic music. Um,
1: But you do your thing. But you
2: do you. And just send us what you want. I mean, it could rhyme. I'm just saying, you could sing it.
1: You but could, you don't you have to. You could wrap
2: it. You could just say it. You could be monotone. You could be Ron Swanson. I mean, do what you want to do. What
1: you're gonna do is fine. And yeah, we will ask you okay. for those coming up in December. In the meantime, I'm Resident Yes, and I'm Road Not Taken. And this has been Love in Brief.